every episode of Final Space. 23 fans, storyboard artists, producers, composers, animators, designers, voice actors. Welcome to Volume 3 of the Into Final Space Podcast, hosted by Gabe Jones. Welcome to the third episode of Into Final Space Volume 3. If you haven't listened to episode one and two of the season, we are chatting with a crew member about every episode of Final Space as I'm joined by a hand-selected fan traction for each episode. Today's episode is Final Space Season 1, Chapter 3, and I'm excited to welcome back line producer Tobias Trost and our fan traction for this episode, Gavin McCormick. All right, I am on Skype today. My fan traction on this episode is Gavin, and we are here with Tobias. Thank you guys so much for joining me on the show today. How are you guys doing? Uh, good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, yeah, doing doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you guys so much for being here and for being on the show. Um, let's just start with a little bit of an introduction. Uh, Tobias, can you tell us what you do on Final Space? Uh, I am the line producer on Final Space, and most everyone, even sometimes working in animation, has no idea exactly what that does. Um, so I, uh, I essentially... Uh, build the budgets and schedules and hire everybody and make sure the show stays on time and on track and notes are hit in a timely manner and Olin and David are happy and all that other fun stuff. So it's, it's pretty much I'm the person who everybody comes to when they have problems. So <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you of yeah. course again for being here today and our fan on this episode is Gavin is there anything you want to tell us about you, sir? Not so great interests, my man. Um, I'm a media research assistant, and uh, that's my day job. And then part-time, I do a bit of gigging. That's awesome. about me. But obviously, at the moment, that doesn't seem to be happening anywhere. So thank God for the day job. Yeah. Well, thank you, of course, for being on the show and for, uh, of course, asking our questions today. As always, I'm moderating this conversation. So, uh, Gavin, take it away. Hi there, Tobias. Um, aside from working on Final Space, you've also worked on loads of other shows I really admired, especially growing up like Justice League Unlimited, and then more recently like Gravity Falls and Bob's Burgers. Is there anything you picked up from those shows that helped shape you as a line producer now? Uh, all of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's essentially you you go through each production and learn something new every time. Um, and it's a, a brand new set. The thing is, it's like animation is all produced the same way, except it's completely different. So it's like, <laughs> you you know, if once you go from, if you go from a kid's show to an adult show, there's different parameters, there's different, you know, executives involved with it, different notes or, or you know, uh, levels of uh, ratings that you have to hit. Like, you know, our show gets away with a lot more uh, blood and guts than any kid's show or any of that sort of stuff that I was on or or language. I mean, we don't really swear on our show, which is kind of a cool thing that we do. Um, well, not swear too much. There's a couple of hells here and there, but, uh, um, but yeah, so it's, it's pretty much every show is different. Justice League was my first, my first foray into uh, series animation. I had only been on uh, a movie before that um, for Rugrats Meet the Wild Thornberries, which I think they changed the name to Rugrats Go Wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
So. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was it. Was it was interesting because it was like at the transition where things started to go from uh, paper to digital. So that was a huge learning curve for me because Justice League, I had an iMac, and in the other show, I had to stand in front of the copier and make copies of paper drawings and paste them up onto model sheets and ship that to you know Asia to have them animated. Whereas we had computers and we're making model sheets that way and we were sending off that stuff that way. So it's like every show that you go through adds another level of, you know, either learning about everything or troubleshooting. Um, Bob's was my first associate producer job and I had just been production managing before that. And it was a Fox show. And so like they have pretty healthy crews that you have to wrangle and, you know, deadlines that are different and a little bit bigger budgets than regular TV shows, but not huge. Um, and so that was, I, I kind of had to play referee there and I didn't used to, I used to be like screaming at everybody to get things done. And this one, I had a bunch of other people who were a little crazier than I was. So I was the calm one, which <laughs> was new for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know that, and then, and then I watched the gravity falls and that was huge creative driven show built to be a hugely creative driven show so that was massive troubleshooting um alex is a genius and his vision is amazing but it does not fit into a regular production pipeline so <laughs> that was that was yeah. a very you know like that was troubleshooting and i kind of have pulled that stuff over to final space because it's kind of a hybrid you know olin's never been had never been a showrunner um, you know, we brought in David Sachs and he had been a head writer on some things. I don't think he'd been a showrunner. I might be wrong. Sorry, David. Um, but, but, you know, like that was a brand new thing as well. It was the first time that we were doing a show for, uh, a TBS and they were doing their first animated series with us. And there was two other ones that they did that I think one of them's going to HBO max. Now the one from the guy that did a regular show, mm. Quintel. Yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, so it's it's all crazy stuff. And, you know, you learn from every episode and try to apply it to the next show. And if it doesn't work the first time, then you have to create a brand new set of rules. So. Always yeah. think you on your feet. <laughs> yes, I, I said this to my boss the other day, the, the owner of Shadow Machine. You know, we because of the way that we're all working from home now. We have a 10 o'clock meeting with the entire production staff and the directors uh, via G chat. And then we have a check-in at 6 PM with just the production folks. So we kind of keep the day to 10 to six or six 30. And, uh, I was talking to my boss the next morning cause we have a check-in and he was like, so how are you doing? I said, well, from 6 PM last night until 10 AM this morning, when no one's supposed to be working, there's a lot of fires suddenly happening. And I had a day that was pretty chill. And now I have meetings every hour to talk to this department and talk to this department, try to troubleshoot why this is late and why this is happening and why we don't have notes yet from here and why we don't have. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> every day is a brand new set of set of fun puzzles to solve. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a lot. Fun, in fairness. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But you must be good at organizing events, you know, for for the socials and all that. Uh I, it's funny because it's like sort of it's yeah. when, when it's when it's a job and you know i have another uh, uh producer our co-ep um rosa Tran, who's also on the show and so we kind of divvied up 
jobs and we we wrangle stuff together because it is such a amorphous monster of a show um and so we lean on each other a lot to organize and create things but yeah like social things and all the rest of that stuff is always the last thing that i'm worrying about because <laughs> i'm like wait we need to get this stuff done and then we think about it and we're like oh people people need to chill for a second and have some pizza and you know relax and so yeah those are those are the things that we sort of are like no i'm making a show what are you talking about <laughs> more important things to do lads come on <laughs> yeah yeah well in that case a follow-up to that be would be how do you stay on top of things do you have like do you meditate do you like do exercises <laughs> you know it's just um, relax it's a it's a lot of uh unplugging and watching tv and uh you know like trying not to focus on things but it, it's hard and with the pandemic and now the revolution that seems to be happening in America all happening at the same time, um, it's been really hard. Um, and it's, it's been wearing on, on a lot of us, even our creative folk and, you know, with, with, with our exec or not our executive, but our like, uh, supervising directors and things like that. Everybody is very, it's like, how do I make art right now? Because all this other stuff is happening. It's, and we're just making a silly little cartoon and, uh, so that has been, we try to check in with everybody every day. We try to, you know, unplug. And like I said, we, we try to keep the days between 10 and, and 6.30 so that people can kind of unplug. Um, but for me, yeah, I just, I watch a lot of TV, like a lot of TV. <laughs> and then I make action figures uh, on the side occasionally. So I'm being, working from home. I'm actually catching up on orders that are like four years old. So that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that struggle, my man. I'm admiring your yeah. shelf. It looks fantastic. Yeah, uh, it goes all the way around the room. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a ton of toys. I, yeah, this is podcast, right? Like, no one can see my crazy... <laughs> right. Um, well, ah, but people yeah, can imagine. I, imagine, yeah. yeah I, that's, that's it. And that was the thing, too. Like, you know, we're talking about um, uh, Justice League being my first real gig in series animation. Like, that was kind of my dream job i'm a huge dc comics nerd like huge and so getting to work on that was amazing but it was the final season and i was like but yeah. but what what do i do now <laughs> where am i supposed to go now because that was it i got to yeah help the direct i mean that was the first time that like one of the first times that wonder woman spun around and changed from diana prince to wonder woman was in one of the episodes that i was coordinating on and i was like you know, I talked to the director, Dan Reba, and I was like, Can we, she's going to spin, right? We're going to make her spin, right? He was <laughs> like, ooh, I hadn't even... You know, that was that was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, so I, I I have a lot of toys, and that is also an outlet, is spending money on toys. Hmm. I guess I'm not real a drug addict. Is, so that... The real struggle is finding space for everything. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Uh, my office at work is exactly like this. <laughs> So, if I ever leave Shadow Machine or Final Space, I'm going to have to find another place with a big office because I can't fit it all in here. So, not priorities, no priorities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let's get into like a nitty gritty question if we can. Um, talk about episode three. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. there's a particular segment in the episode which is where Gary and Avocado are stuck in the Lazarus trap which is like yes. very kind of reminiscent of Labyrinth, David Bowie, and then the um, 
the painting relativity, I believe it's called. It's a very complicated segment of the episode. So how do you make sure that what is written down is translated best to, well, not paper anymore, but tablets, screens? Yeah. Um, it's tough. I mean, that, that episode was was a big episode. You know, um, we had our, our first time supervising director, uh, Mike Roberts, on that. And I think Ben directed this episode, Ben Bajalajak, who's our current uh, supervising director. Um, so, you know, you have two people with extremely strong visual sense. Um, and I think that they were able to translate what Olin and David and I forget them writer of that episode i'm so sorry uh had written down um it it i think they pretty much just said in some sort of escher mindscape sort of area and you know we're not the most expensive show on television so it was very we we had to really compromise on how we were going to do it and so we did i mean our show is also uh, pretty up there with background design. Um, just <laughs> the fact that, like, it looks amazing. Most TV shows do not have 300 plus backgrounds per episode. Um, in fact, they're mostly around 150 or 120. Uh, so that in season one was insane. So we we tried to minimize those backgrounds and sort of like set set pieces and and use that. But it's such a funny and uh, uh, interesting setup with the cookies and the, and the eyes and all that sort of stuff. Like it was, it was really, really fun to do, but it was, it took a, I mean, that was probably, you know, an expensive little set piece that we did. Uh, it was, it went, it was Mike and, and Ben who really worked hard to make sure that that showed up. And then they're also extremely good compositors. Mm-hmm. So that is something that I had never encountered in animation either. Like I, I don't think we did. I'm pretty sure we didn't do it on Gravity Falls. I don't think Bob's. I mean, I think they may do it now, um, but they take thing. We would take shots and separate things in After Effects and add the glows and add the lasers and all that other stuff that Jamfield started with, and then they would plus it. Um, that's a whole new step to animation that I'd never encountered before, and I was like, "This is crazy! What are you doing? They're they're already done. They animated it. Let's just cut it and put it on TV." And what Mike and Ben are able to do, and ben, you know Ben in season two and season three, I'm just so excited for what he's going to do and take Devo's amazing designs uh, and and apply that. But it's it's tough, you know. It's a it's a push pull. We're we're dealing with that right now. Season three, I'm not going to say much other than the fact of like we're getting a little ambitious, and I don't know how we're going to afford it. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting so. insider info. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I won't tell you much. I mean, <laughs> Olin keeps posting things on there on the on the into fi- or on the final space uh, Instagram, and I'm like, dude, we haven't even shipped that yet. But <laughs> it's his show, and and it's kind of great to to keep everybody excited about it. But um, we we always end up getting extremely talented artists, and that helps. Jamfield is just stellar in their animation. I have never ever been on a show that got take ones back you know from the overseas studio either you know canada or anywhere else where the acting animation was so wonderful that we had no retakes on it like they and it might be to their detriment sometimes because things get a little bit late uh if if they do but like the facial animation on stuff is just it blows me away sometimes so yeah i mean i think 
season two, episode one with the Toro Regatta at towards the end of the episode where Gary comes down the plank and he talks about, he says something to Kevin or Hugh or something. So I don't even know what you're talking about. And he has this flourish with his hand and his hair goes and the thing. And I was like, okay, that animator spent way too much time on that shot, but it's <laughs> so, so good. So yeah, it's, it, it takes a lot. And you know, then we are learning there are other shots because the, the Lazarus temple in the pit or whatever we ended up calling it. I think that's what it was uh, with the Escher stuff was so intense that we did economize in other places like backgrounds and animation movement and stuff was simplified so that we could put more time and energy into that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. Cause you know, just listening to Olin and David talk about the show and the scope that they have for it and the just cinematic vision behind it, matching that with a budget, just, I can't imagine. <laughs> it's, it is, we, you know, like in season, the end of season one with the, the drones attacking and, and all that sort of stuff that happened with the ship. And like, we had to figure out ways of doing that that didn't break jam field and didn't break us. And, you know, so we, we tried to economize those sorts of things. And the same thing happened with season two, you know, um, season three is, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> We're bending a little bit. It's, but it's, I mean, you guys are going to love it. It's just, it's so, it's, it is epic. Pretty much every episode so far, we're going to try to <laughs> pull back so we can just have some conversation pieces. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of action happening. So, yeah. Well, I think I speak for myself and Gabe and everyone else is like, we're on the edge of our seats waiting for it in fairness. <laughs> no. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really nice in that. Um, you know, our executives at uh, TBS and, and Warner Media are have, they're like, you got it. You guys understand what you're trying to do. You know, season two, we did, and Olin has said this already, but they were trying to sort of shift the tone of the show a little bit. And this season, they're like, no, no, you know what you're doing. Have fun. Um, and so it's good in that we get to, you know, tell Olin's story, Olin and David's story the way that they want to, but it's also like, being being forced to tell a lot of like jokes and have like sort of episodes that were not um, serialized and sort of more episodic, it gave us time to sort of have jokey sections as in as opposed to this one amazing epic story that's like action packed and that's good for production, bad for storytelling. And I think this season is going to be great storytelling. We're just trying to make it <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Um, also, in this episode, there are a lot of kind of callback and references to movies and TV shows, um, like Gary's robotic arm and Yarno look like Tatooine, and obviously Star Wars references. Uh, the temporal worm is literally Dune and Beetlejuice. Yeah. So I don't think there's any, that's going over anyone's heads. Uh, Helper Hula just looks like a Del Toro creature. If yeah. that's what you lads were going, what you guys were going for. Um, do you ever add references yourself? Do you kind of pitch them? It's just like, oh, this might be good here. Or uh, I don't really have that much input on that sort of stuff. I, I that's that's one of the, the the thing that's sort of weird about my job is that it's not always viewed as a creative position. So they don't really like line producers to sort of not they as in I'm saying like in animation. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So I, I tend to have us in production just be quiet during those sorts of things where they're pitching things. But the difference is with Olin and David is that they are very collaborative and they do allow for moments of, you know, myself, uh, you know, Rosa much more because now she's, she's co-EP. So she does have a, a little bit more of the creative uh, tone that she can help out with, but they do listen um, to stuff that we're talking about. And there are things where I'm sort of like, Hey, this would maybe go better like this or Hey, wouldn't it be cool if that happens? And that's usually, I'll usually only pipe up with that. If they're stuck, if yes. they're having a hard time trying to knock out what they're going for, um, which is very rarely because usually Ben and Olin and David and Devo kind of figure it out. And we've got two uh, new directors this season also who are, and our directors for every season have been fantastic, but like that are able to sort of spell out that. Um, our, oh, Ben is a cinephile. Uh, and so, you know, and, and he and Olin just sort of riff on things all the time. So there's always going to be some predator or star wars or dune or like some sort of a, a of a nod to that and devo as well like he's a super 80s sci-fi fan and <laughs> i mean you can tell from the designs i mean it's just like it's the best neon future stuff ever i mean like i just that is I, we're all so passionate about working on the show and we're really lucky and none of us are bullshitting about that like we really are we we love working on the show we get very passionate about things and sometimes butt heads but it is such a great show to work on because Olin and David give you that sort of creative input to feel like you're a part owner of it. You know, then letting me do voices on the show is just spectacular. It, it, it really is just like, you know, cause I'm a recovering actor, but I still do voiceover <laughs> and, and, you know, like I, I, the fact that, you know, like I'm able to pop in every once in a while and, and have something is just one of the most beautiful things ever. So, yeah. Well, who's your favorite character you voiced yourself? Um, it's funny because like there was a character in season two that uh, was the photographer of the, the, when Tribor was going and getting his crew together. And it was oh, the yes. photographer that came in at the end. Um, his role was bigger. And we ended up cutting it for time. And it might have been my comic timing as well, which was not quite as good. <laughs> um, mostly because I was focusing on trying to have an Australian accent for that character. Mm. Um, what I thought, you know, like it, it was, it, that was fun to do. But I do love um, General Catalope that he was able to be in there and, and yeah. have that much fun and flourish with him. So, I, uh, yeah, he, he was, he's, he's been my favorite so far. Cool. Well, a kind of follow-up to that question would be, how do you find the voice of a character? Um, it really is like, you'll just, you'll either read about it. Cause sometimes we don't have them designed yet, especially when we're doing records. We don't have all the designs yet. Um, that comes from boarding and the rough design phase. Um, with Catalo, there was sort of a push to have him very gender fluid and you know that kind of a thing and he was like robust and this sort of thing so that one i i kind of channeled a little bit of um my friend drew drogi does these um he's an amazing actor and writer and all kinds of stuff but he's best known for being chloe seven where he does these videos dressed in drag as chloe seven and mispronounces things all over the place um <laughs> They're based on her actual, like she would do videos about like 
look at this gorgeous Laotius thing I have here. You know, like she would pronounce, <laughs> she would, she would pronounce, you know, uh, brand names or, or designers in a really weird way. And he thought it was hilarious. And so he does these, you know, things. And it, the way that he does the voice is so funny to me uh, that I kind of took off a little bit of that. And we, we toned it down uh, because I think they were having a hard time understanding what I was saying. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but that, you know, that was, and it was such a short snippet on the show that I didn't, I couldn't really like, you know, go insane with it. And I shouldn't, because, you know, with small characters like that, if you can't understand what's going on, then it ruins the storyline and the plot. So, know, but to have to yeah. after a moment to shine just a little bit, it's like, give me this. Yeah. Give yeah. me this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I think that's going to do it for us on this episode. Thank you so much, Gavin, for some great questions and Tobias for some awesome answers. Yeah, absolutely. Love being on here and talking to you guys. Thanks so much, Gabe. Really appreciate it for the opportunity. And Tobias, thank you so much. It was lovely chatting to you, my man. You too. Thanks to Gavin for helping me out with today's talk with Tobias about Chapter 3 of Final Space. Until next time, follow me at Gabriel W. Jones on Instagram and Twitter and follow the show at Into Final Space also on Instagram and Twitter. To chat about this episode, join Gavin and me on the Into Final Space Discord, and we'll see you next time on Into Final Space. Thanks, guys.